Um, and other than that, I don't really have anything else to say. Uh, we'll try. Uh, we'll try to go like an hour-ish. It might get a little longer. Uh, does anyone have a super hard stop? Because I know we're getting start started late. Nope. Okay. If you do, you can bounce off, and if we're still having a great conversation, we can keep it going. Um, I think Ken Ken probably just had enough of us and decided to. <laughs> Ken's like, ah, I'm out of here. <laughs> I was like, hey, if you guys have to bounce, you can. And Ken just got up and left. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so. I think those people should be buying up right now in hordes, right? If they're, they truly believe it'll eventually go back up. Um, I can't say I do. So. I feel like it's going to get worse before it gets better because of exactly what you just said. I think it's the biggest threat to a government. Welcome back to pilot episode number two of Expert Talk. Let's see if our experts today got the chops to keep this series called Expert Talk going. No pressure, everybody. Uh, we're going to hit all kinds of fun topics. Now, just so you know, we are filming this on a Monday, and it's being released days and days later. That's not typically how these will go. Um, we're going to talk about things that by the time it releases may already be out of you know, kind of like extinct or moved on. So right now we're going to talk about the banking world, of course. I don't think we can ever get together with a bunch of people and not talk about SVB and the meltdown of the banking system or possible meltdown. Um, we'll talk about some cool uh, AI stuff. We'll talk about Facebook ads and we're seeing that ad costs are down. What's up with that? Uh, so we'll have a conversation about that. But before we do that, let me introduce to you um, what we got going on. So my name is Onyx Gall. I'm the founder of something we call the Board of Experts. Those are the only people that are allowed to be on our expert talk because they're experts. Um, it's our mastermind only for those of you who are up and running successful information marketing businesses. Um, if you want to know more about it, you'll have to figure out a way to reach me and contact me. We don't even have a public website about it just yet. But introducing to you, he's cold as ice, but warm as a spa. This is Mr. Ken Dunn. All right, and so you'll have to understand why I just introduced him that way in a minute. She's a coach of coaches, and she'll blow the whistle on you at any minute. Coach Deb is with us here. I feel like I should be blowing a whistle right now. Yeah, you, you should, <laughs> but you didn't. All right, and then, of course, we've got the life-saving queen of artificial intelligence bobbing in last minute to fill in for one of our members who was at an airport for some reason. Alicia Little, what's up, Alicia? How are you? Hey, yeah. hey, hey, what's up? What's up? You know, when you call, I come, I say, yes, wow. Onyx, I will be there. You're too, too, too kind. Um, hey, Ken, why are you cold as ice? What's up with that? Man, oh, man, I tell you what, um, I love Iceland. It was an amazing trip. Just spent uh, 10 days over there. As you know, I own a digital marketing agency and a real estate development company. We're developing spas and resorts all across Canada. And so I went over to Iceland for 10 days and visited four of the top Nordic spas in the world. Uh, wow. we've, we've even grabbed a helicopter because we had to fly into one of them and it was just an unbelievable experience. And I don't mind being called cold as ice because I know what it means. <laughs> yeah, so cold as ice because he went to Iceland, warm as a spa because he's building a spa company. And that's pretty cool. Um, and then Coach Deb, um, the funniest story I'll just give you is I, ke I keep calling her Coach Deb. She's trained us. I've known her for, God knows, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 years. I know, I always tell people I've known you since when you lived in Hawaii. And that was a long time ago. Um, and um, wow. Yeah, wow. 
Me too. Me too. I have midlife crisis moment every time I am at the gym and I step on that elliptical machine and wants to know my age and I type in 39 and I'm like, nah, that's not right. It's uh, 39. What? I was like 22 the other day. Um, but uh, 39 and I'm lying. <laughs> I mean, I've considered that I'm mean, just to give it a wrong age. Um, but the funny story with that is when you came to the last expert summit, I kept rolling. I, I told Andrea, who's my wife, I was like, you got to meet coach Deb. I've known her for a long time. And I kept calling you that. And after a while, she finally just goes, Hey, what does she coach? And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, is she like, like a football team coach, like a basketball team. I'm like, and I laughed so much. I'm like, you know what? I don't even realize I'm calling her coach Deb. I'm like, man, talk about branding. Like she just branded herself as coach Deb. Um, and then of course, Alicia, uh, who is just mastering AI lately and she's life-saving because we called upon her exactly five minutes ago to hop in and she's like, bam, I'm here and looking gorgeous as ever. I don't know, either you just look like this all the time or you spiffed yourself up in like three minutes. I'm either way, impressed. Yes. All right. So, experts, we have a lot to talk about. Um, Let's go over the SVB issue. I'm a little bit intrigued to see what you think about this. And mostly also, Ken, being in Canada, I'm curious if you even give a crap about it. <laughs> like if it's even in the media over there, if anyone gives a, gives a hoot. SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, um, everyone's talked about it. It's a little old news now because this is releasing. It's been a week. Uh, okay, look, they raised a ton of money in 2020, right? Because um, they are the bank to 50% of pri uh, of like equity raising companies. So if you raise money by a VC, there's a 50% chance you use Silicon Valley Bank. Actually, I've seen VCs require you use Silicon Valley Bank. One of the biggest reasons is Silicon Valley Bank would give you a really big credit line if you raised money from a VC. So they get this massive influx of cash in 2020 because of course everyone was raising money like crazy. And then in 2021, and especially in 2022, the raising stops. So the inflow of cash stops. And what do banks do with the money they've raised? They invest it, right? That's the whole point. They take your money, they invest it elsewhere, they give you this, they make that, right? Well, I thought what they did was pretty safe. Everyone's really like cursing out the management team at SVB. And I'm like, ah, you know, they bought a bunch of mortgage-backed government securities. Because they didn't know what to do with the money. They couldn't lend fast enough, so they bought a bunch of mortgage-backed lending. I mean, no one told them that the interest rates would shoot up, right? And so interest rates shot up. And what happened is because less money inflow, people aren't raising as much money, and the companies that did raise the money are burning that money. So they're calling on that money. They're actually using it. And so all of a sudden, they came a place they needed to raise, they needed cash. So they ended up having to sell $21 billion of those assets at a $1.75 billion loss. And they came out very innocently and just said, hey, we have to raise money to cover that $2 billion-ish loss. And all hell broke loose. Everyone was just like, that's it, they're done, it's over. Now, I will tell you this. I haven't fact-checked this. I have not fact-checked this, but I read this on Twitter. So, I mean, if it's on Twitter, it's gotta be true. Of course. Apparently, the CFO of Lehman Brothers was the CFO of Silicon Valley Bank. So this guy, if this is true, now happens to have presided over the two largest banking meltdowns in American history. I just want to know why he was CFO of Silicon Valley Bank or any bank. But um, I'm just curious, 
do you guys really do you blame SVB management? Did they do anything wrong here? I mean, or was this just a bad card dealt badly? That's just like a weird fluke that happened. Um, Deb or Ken here. We'll start with the Canadian. Ken, what do you think? You got an outside. Well, it's interesting. Outside. It's interesting because I yes, I'm Canadian. I live in Toronto, but back in 2014. I owned a company based in Austin, Texas. It was a tech company and we were building aggressively and we did a series A and a series B. And in the series A, we raised $3.2 million from a major VC in Silicon Valley. And they absolutely demanded that we use SVB. Just like you said, I was one of those people. So we did all of our banking with SVB and they gave us a million dollar line of credit against the $3 million we raised because of the VC that was backing us. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, I was away most of the time this was happening. So it was really hard for me to take the time I would normally to do to dig into this stuff between, you know, the salt pools at the Blue Lagoon and the spas and the massages. It was, I, I couldn't keep my head on. <laughs> You mean, hold on. So you don't, you prefer to enjoy yourself rather than get into what's happening in the American economy? Yeah. I was reading an article on my phone as the helicopter took off, but by the time it landed at the spa, I just, I checked out. But you know, at the end of the day, the thing you have to realize about this versus any other business is that at the end of the day, everything is business fundamentals. And so I think being on the inside of SVB back in 2018, it really surprised me how easy these guys were with money. Like everybody loved them. They were the darlings of the the whole, you know, fundraising era of the the startup company era. Everybody loved them. But the same mentality they were using in that time when they were printing money, they kept that mentality and were kind of oblivious to the way the markets were changing. And and you know what? There's probably something to the Lehman Brothers guy being there. I, I wouldn't be surprised with it because businesses fail because of you know people not paying attention, not keeping their eyes on the wheel. I mean, and- I definitely want to repeat that my source for that was a tweet. <laughs> so I want I meant to I meant to fact check it before I came on. I forgot. Um, Deb, you and I were sharing a lot of messages back and forth and, you know, you had your opinions and you think there's going to be a, you know, do you think, Deb, that the, re- okay, so the feds, uh, the federal government comes out finally at the nth hour after letting everyone, including Cal, at All In, I don't know if you guys watch All In podcast, but Cal was having a literal mental breakdown, meltdown on Twitter. It was kind of funny to watch. Um, especially me being someone who's, so the closest impact this had on me, just FYI, is a company I co-founded that I exited in 2021, got completely directly impacted by this. Every penny of their money, um, not only of their money, but their founder's personal money was at SVB. And so I was getting a lot of behind the scenes on this, but I mean, I was out, I'm not, you know, but obviously I still want to see the company thrive and succeed. Um, I was pretty sure they were going to get rescued somehow, but they really waited to the nth hour and obviously making everyone sweat it out. Deb, what, you know, do you think, like, I haven't watched the market today, but I know that, like, First Liberty nosedived. They had to stop. It nosedived. Is it First Liberty? No, Republic. Some bank. First Republic, I think. Um, It's a very similar Silicon Valley bank style. 70% it it plummeted and had to freeze. They had to freeze its trading. And, And they went out of their way this weekend to say, hey, we are good. Like, there is... Look, we're safe. We have tons of money, tons of cash. You can withdraw. You can blah, 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 blah. And everyone's like, yeah, whatever. Screw you. Um, I have a couple of friends at SVB who the minute, the minute they woke up were 
they woke up to the like, okay you can you know you have your money they're like whoop <laughs> pulling it out dumping it into another bank do you think regional banks survive this deb or do you think we're still even with the fed trying their best do you still think we're going to move to a big four top four top five dominating type of thing yeah. So I think that's when you and I were debating or, or uh, discussing that on Facebook, I think in one of your threads and people kind of jumped on it and you're like, wait a minute, are you for the uh, main four banks being in control? I'm not for it. I'm just predicting that this is the inevitable. So no. one of the biggest issues with SVB was that they had too much, right? Too much in the agency backed um, mortgages. And I'm not in banking. So this is just me doing some research and talking to people in Wall Street and banking. So the problem is when they bought the mortgages, it was a great decision. It was a great way to park your money, make money because mortgage rates were never so low, right? The interest rates, we all took advantage of that, right? If we could. Mm -hmm. Then all of a sudden, no one ever predicted the rate of mortgages to skyrocket. It doubled, right? In a year this was crippling the more like, look at the mortgage industry. If you know anyone that's selling mortgages right now. So people were scrambling and that was their biggest issue that they had too much in that. And then when they had someone taking out 50 million in one day, and then there was a tweet. So again, once again, Twitter causes another revolution in banking and in the world, all of a sudden people are like, whoa, the panic set in and then a run on the bank sets in. So if there was no run on the bank. If people didn't need all of this money right away, they could have survived, but they didn't because they were imbalanced. So I think for us, it teaches us just in business to never be so imbalanced where we're only relying on one either source of banking, one payment process, right? We all have either PayPal yeah. and Stripe and all those things. And we know we've had clients that have held $100,000 in funds from PayPal. They're just like, nope, we're holding this for you for like six months. So we've got to have multiple um, and diversify, right? From our banking to our payment processing and business. So for, for me, I look at it and go, all right, what is this lesson here? And then our debate where we were talking about the four banks, like, unfortunately, this tech bank, they weren't operating under the same rules as those big banks, right? So JP Morgan, Chase, right? They have certain rules that they have to, and regulations. And that's when we got into crypto and, okay, we want to get decentralized and deregulation, but this is what happens when the regulation isn't in effect. So people yeah. all come on Wall Street and the four big banks, but they're there and with the regulations to protect that end user. So I have a lot of other thoughts on this, but that's kind of the summary of it's not necessarily Whoa. their fault because they made a good investment at the time, but the shift in mortgages and raising high uh, so high in one yeah. year, and then all of a sudden people getting the run on the bank. So I hope well, no one does a run on the banks. That's what will cause I think it was like 26 billion that they put into these types yeah. of government backed securities was the number I saw. It's a lot. It's a lot in one, yeah. one thing. Um, yeah. you know, so yeah, I, I don't like the idea of the top four or five, um, because yeah, it kind of sucks to begin with, but it's so funny. Where, where do I want to take my money now? All right. Um, at least I'm going to come to you in a second. Ken, just a real quick question for you. How does this work in Canada? Is Canada any different? How, do you guys have your deposits insured at a bank? Do you guys have as many banks? Or are you just more about a couple banks? Like, How, how is this whole thing no, it's, working? It's the exact same model. Um, all, of the, all of the deposits in Canada are actually insured by a national company called the Canadian Deposit Investment Corporation. They came up with a really original name. <laughs> um, <laughs> I agree, I agree exactly with what Deb just said. I think Deb just corroborated with what I was saying earlier. You know, in the big banking system in in both countries, in fact, in most of the modern world, 
the rules that they have in place protect us. And, and now it doesn't give the bank the same opportunity to make money on the money, but heck, they're starting with 10x on their money from what they collect, right? So they've got that advantage over everybody else anyway. Uh, I think the looser they make the rules, the more of this shit there's going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, Alicia, moving forward, what are like, are you, is this changing how you do banking? Yeah, absolutely. I think what Deb said was so true about the diversification because when I was reading about it, you read about like Roku and Payoneer and Roblox. And they say how they have their money distributed across multiple banks. I think Pioneer said, you know, SVB has $20 million, but that's out of their $6 billion in cash that they hold. And they diversified it um, among 10 other major institutions. So I think the diversification is really important and thinking about that. Um, is really important. So that's definitely one of the big things that I got out of it. And to see how many of the businesses that I do business with were impacted was just really eye-opening. And I think that goes with a lot of what you were saying, both um, you, Anik, and you, Ken, just about how this bank, it was also a requirement for a lot of people in tech to put their money in this bank, which was something I didn't know until you mentioned it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was just interesting to see how many businesses that I do business with um, or, or where I spend my money were also impacted by this. A lot of e-commerce stores got impacted, tons, because if you use Shopify Stripe, apparently there was there were, they got impacted too because that's why Shopify CEO sent out an email saying, hey, if you need a loan, Shopify will figure it out for you. If you need to make payroll or whatever, like we'll figure it out. It's a pretty good email. I'm a little curious as to how it would, I, I don't know if that was, it felt a little PR-y. I want to know actually like, how many of those? Well, I guess they didn't need to do it for anybody, but I was thinking about that. I'm like, man, that could spiral real quick for Shopify too. Cause they were like, no legal contracts, no nothing. We'll just send you the money. We'll figure it out later. I was like, well, I got a Shopify store. I have a payroll of a half a million. <laughs> Help me out, you know? But um, I appreciated them getting ahead of it and doing that. For me, it's interesting as far as changing, you know, I, people are like, you gotta diversify. You gotta, I'm like, okay, but you know, FDIC only insures a quarter million dollars. I am not creating you know, so many bank accounts. I can barely manage the ones I have, but it's, it, it is, it is led to, I'll put it this way. There isn't, there is a, there is a, a scheduled call with my CFO and myself after this meeting where we're going to talk about this stuff because this is something that didn't come up. I bet you every board on the planet right now, or at least in the U S every board is in communication with their executive team right now saying, make sure you have multiple bank accounts. Um, because I know that I know of multiple founders who are at SVB where every penny was at SVB. Actually, I know of a founder, I don't know this person directly, but last week, I mean, this, this was not last week, the week before last week, they had just closed a $50 million raise. The wire had come in all at SVB. Can you imagine? Oh, gut wrenching, right? It was just like, I can't even imagine how they would, how they would sleep at night. Um, so now this leads us up the alley. So of course people will change how, how we think about banking. I think the fallout from this is yet to be seen. A lot of which maybe has been seen by the time this episode releases. I personally do think, I, I think that if you're a smaller bank, no matter what the government said, I think people are just gonna be a little careful and they're gonna stay away from you. Um, it's just the nature of the beast. Um, crypto. So you see fun memes going around you know, with boards being held saying this is why crypto was created. Uh, but at the same time, Signature Bank takes a dive, which is a crypto backing bank. 
they also went under and the FDIC took them over. Crypto's up today, not like monumentally. It's up though, a decent amount. I'm just, I'm curious. I'm gonna ask real quick questions. First, we'll go around and get like one word answers because um, I'm just curious. So um, the answers will be buying, selling, staying. So are you buying crypto? Are you selling crypto? Or are you just doing nothing with it? Alicia. Staying. Ken. Hodling, man. And uh, that, uh, Coach Depp? I don't have a one word answer. I, I told all my <laughs> friends because I had a great border of advisors back in November to get out of crypto and sell it because winter was coming and then buy it back when it was lower. So out completely. So there's no buy, sell, hold. I'm not a hodler. Ah, so you're you're just out. Are you you are you waiting for something to get back in in the future, or you're just like I'm done with crypto, I'm over the crazy. Um, I thought potentially I was. So I, I have a really good board of advisors that pay a lot of money for information on the whole crypto space and banking, and she told me she's like, get out now, winter is coming, sell everything you have in November. And a few friends listened to me, a few friends didn't, and there, one friend said he'll never sell his crypto, he'll always just borrow against it, and then it just kept die, you know, selling, selling. And then what oh. what does he do? Sell low right? Uh, <laughs> the exact the opposite of what you want to do. But so now with all of the things, a few things, so quantum computers, that's one of the things they were talking about regulations, um, things coming in to um, hack. So some of these developments are happening. And then with this happening with circle and crypto and regulations, um, the other biggest thing is if you think about in the history of economics, and world power. So banking and government, right? The government, you're talking about this decentralized and like, let's stay away from banking, but the governments are tied in with the banking industry. And in the history of never, a government has ever allowed their money and their monetary system to be basically, you know, switched. That's, that's why wars were created, right? To protect the money, to protect the gold. So I look at crypto and the government and them putting even more regulation. So I, I, see, I see bad things happening in the crypto space. So I'm, I'm not investing. Now, if anyone was a true believer, I think those people should be buying up right now in hordes, right? If they're, they truly believe it'll eventually go back up. Um, I can't say I do, so- I feel like it's going to get worse before it gets better because of exactly what you just said. I think it's the biggest threat to a government. It's the biggest threat to the upper, I don't know, the Illuminati who control us apparently. Um, and so, well, yeah, so, uh, but they'll, and they'll kick and scream a lot harder. Um, they already, I felt like, you know, there's a big blow right now. They're not feeling the threat, but when it starts to rise again, um, there will be one more big whack, but, you know, so there was also against self-driving cars. So there was also against electric cars. So there was also against God knows how many things. Technology in the end wins always. It just takes longer for certain ones. Like I've been waiting for disruption in the education space uh, for the longest time, college and all that. I mean, it's coming at some point it's going to collapse. Um, but that's a very powerful space as well with a lot of lobbying money and a lot of money. Um, but as the generations go, like as the younger generations now, more and more don't care about the college side. Actually, I think the younger generations, such as myself, in, that are parents, the younger generations that are parents. Like I, if my daughter comes to me in 15 years and it's like, I don't want to go to college. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I, it's not going to be to me. It's not going to be like, oh my God, you're a miserable failure. I'll, I'll just be like, what do you want to do? 
Yeah. I'd be like, what do you want to do? You're not going to sit on my couch all day, but you know, go do something. Go get an internship or something. I love this topic, Anik, what you just brought up. And I think you and I have always had a very similar passion in the whole anti-college like institution and create these learning institutions, aka learn, where mm-hmm. people are learning real practical skills online. So this is one of the things, and I know you want to talk about AI as well. I see AI as being a massive disruptor disruptor in the education space, because think about it now. You can have an educator from AI teach you more about history, more about economics, and in a much more simplified way, you can even tell it to explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old, like I'm a 10-year-old, and it will break things down and tell you Legos, you know, hey, think about Legos and, and explain world economics. So teachers and institutions, I think that is is more of a threat right now with technology and I and AI than say banking and crypto. So I'd love to talk about the whole college disruption and AI because I think that's a big shift. Um, although yes, well, I totally agree with you. Technology and and self-driving cars. I interviewed a guy, Jeremiah Algang, up in Silicon Valley when they were first coming out. And I was like, oh, I love my car. I love being able to drive it. And he changed my mind in that TV episode because he explained how the safety of everyone and all of these benefits of self-driving car. And I was like, all right, as long as I can still drive my car um, and, and have control, I like the fact that everyone else is in these computer-generated safety cars. So yep, yeah. automated driving, that's coming. I was resistant of that. Still, I don't know banking. I, I I don't know. I don't know about crypto being something that I, I believe the blockchain revolution is going to be something that's solid, right? Blockchain, the, that revolution in of itself, because there's something there. The Bitcoin yeah. debate is still a debate of what value does it have? And if yeah. you have Bitcoin, you want other people to have it. It's kind of like an MLM because more people buy it means it goes up. But what is really backed by it? But I'd love to talk yeah. about the college debate and education and AI. So, so let's take a break. Uh, so as you said, pivot alert, pivot alert brought by coach Deb. Uh, Ken, what do you think about college? Both my kids are in college right now. Uh, my son is taking a, like a, he's going to college and taking sports management. You know, he did, he was in sports, played high level sports growing up and decided he wants to turn it into a career, wants to go work with a major sports team. Um, he's heading off, he's finishing this year and heading off to Scotland and he's going to be working at uh, St. Andrews, the golf course. Um, what I love about college, and I, I would I would say exactly what you guys have said. If kids want to go, let them go. Encourage them to go. My daughter is at the University of Ottawa right now taking law. She wants to be a lawyer. I think the biggest benefits that any kid's going to get out of school today has really nothing to do with what they're learning in classroom. It's about developing. My daughter, because of her birthday, graduated from high school at 17 years old and started in college. And so being there at that age, she's still got a couple of years before I'd feel comfortable her being out in the workforce. I think it's the perfect place for her to be. I think education is going to change. And I think the one thing I haven't heard about in the education debate, when it comes to AI, all I'm hearing about right now is how kids are using AI to Mm. cheat on papers. And now we know of other AI that we can use to cover the AI to do that. (laughs) But I think the biggest innovations in AI are going to be when AI replaces professors. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah. And that's what, that's what Deb just said. Um, yeah, so uh, so that's interesting because I always so whenever I say I have this whole thing about not I think the collegiate world needs to change, it's crazy because I'll I feel like every third day I hear of a new university or whatever. I'm like, what college is this? What university is this? Like, do we really need so many of these universities and colleges? In the end, it is a great business. Um, I've always said health, law, 
and engineering. You want to go into any of these three? You got to get professional education because please don't do surgery on me because you watched a few YouTube videos. Um, you know, so I'm all for, <laughs> although there's AI now, I, I trust robots more than I trust the, actually my last surgery I had, there was a lot of robotic involvement. So, um, but I just feel like it's not a mandatory. Uh, I, I did this fun exercise where I went down my own org chart at Learn and I, for the life of me, did not know who had a degree and who didn't. And so I started guessing. And it was funny because in the end, I sat down. I was like, some of the ones that I guess, I'm like, they have to have a college degree because they're so smart. Didn't. Didn't have a college degree. And I was like, yeah, I was like, wow, that, that was, that was eye opening. Alicia, what do you think? You got, you've got nieces, you've got uh, nieces, right? Not nephews, just nieces. Yeah, yeah, I have nieces. And so yeah. Ava, same as, you know, your Ava, oh, same name. But Ava is 10 years old now and her Etsy store made $1,000 last um, last year. She was about six months in it Love last year. So she's excited. Awesome. <laughs> well, it helps, helps to have a Lorette as a mom and Alicia as a aunt. It's, that helps a little. <laughs> well, she did come okay, up with please. ideas herself and she, and that's just online. So she also does farmer's markets and that sort of stuff. She made almost $3,000 last year doing those, um, wow. farmer, mar farmer's markets and setting up her business. But she asked me today, cause she's on spring break now, if I would help her to make her listings better by teaching her how to use chat GPT. And so I'm like, yes, I will. Let's go. So we're going <laughs> to do a little, um, session because she just wants to optimize it better and do better with it. But let me tell you, this this uh, ten year old, she's using CapCut, doing doing her own, you know, promotions and videos and ads. She is running her own Etsy store. She has her shipping down pat. We don't. Lorette doesn't do any of her shipping for her. She, you know, is wow. is That's such cool. a business owner. She just turned ten um, last week, so she's such a little business owner and absolutely loves it. And I guarantee she will not be going to college like she. She's ready now to, you know, she's asking me when she can speak at an event. I'm like, just yes. hold your horses. <laughs> and so. Well, so, so Alicia, what, what did Lorette do to, was there something specific and methodical done to inspire this in Ava? Or was it just that her being around the two of you and she just kind of picked up and started asking the right questions? So was it injected or was it just supported? Did she show the interest herself and you supported it? Or did you guys kind of say like, hey, have you looked at this? Have you thought about this? Well, we never said, have you looked at this? Have you thought about this? But she's been around the business, you know. Um, we took her to Malaysia with us. She's been to Dubai with us when we're speaking at different events. So she's seen it. But, you know, the, the her Etsy store is all about earrings. So she loves earrings. That's her thing. So she asked Lorette if she could find her some fun earrings. So my sister found her like hamburger earrings and toilet paper earrings. So she said that when she went to school, she got so much attention. All the kids loved it. So she asked if she could start a business around earrings. Like, how does she get to sell Coca-Cola earrings and toilet paper earrings? So we helped her actually to find the type of charms that she wanted. And she figured out, you know, how to put all the pieces together. And so she has an earring store that sells these, you know, really great, fun earrings. And then she's learned sales. And so if you go to a farmer's market and you pass by her booth and <laughs> you're like drinking a Mountain Dew, she has Mountain Dew earrings. She'll stop you and say, oh, my gosh, I have earrings to match what your favorite drink is. She's a That's great salesperson. Awesome.
But the thing is, is that she's passionate about her business. And I think that's where the real key is, is her passion for the business. And I'm sure she'll start other types of businesses. She's now asking me how to create you know, notebooks using mid journey and Canva because she sees some of my training. So I'm sure she'll go into, you know, other types of businesses as well. But for her, you know, she's an entrepreneur college, I don't think will be something she'll want to go to. She'll probably at that age, maybe live in a house with, you know, four other girls that are her that age, and they'll all be doing their little businesses because she's got, you know, quite a few friends now who are all in this little business doing these things online. So my prediction is that that's where she will be when we're talking, you know, college time. She's 10 now. But your daughter, when we're talking college time in what, 17 years, where will the world be then? <laughs> what type of, you know, where, know. what will she want to do? That's going to be so interesting right. to see where it goes. Probably be flying around like Jetsons by then for all I know. Um, I saw I saw a demo the other day online of that robotic arm that cooks food for you and all I could think about I was like that's Jetsons because they would go hit a button and food would pop out and I was like that's super cool um so so let's talk a little bit about AI first of all at least I give give you uh your niece a big high five for me like that is awesome what a cool story I love that um my um so I got I got in trouble for my sister because I showed my 11 year old nephew it's 11 and 6 were with me for Christmas this year and they stayed back for two weeks. And of course, at that time was right when ChatGPT craze was going on. So I was like, get over here. Let me show you something. She's like, do not show him ChatGPT. And I was like, okay, she leaves tomorrow. I'll show you tomorrow when she's gone. Um, and, and, and it was really interesting to see. He was the first one I watched use ChatGPT as a search engine. Um, I, that was when I first realized, ooh, Google's going to have a problem. Because I, I wasn't using it as that. That's not how I was, you know. But I remember something really interesting. I, I he was he always asks me about the companies I'm working on and what I'm doing. He's very intrigued by all of the stuff. And um, I told him about a company, a software company that we're working on that is going to add AI into it and it's going to use ChatGPT for it. And I told him, explained him how it would work. And this guy figures it out and says, wait a minute. I get it. And he starts telling, he's a gamer, loves gaming. So he starts telling me about how the entire Twitch community could use it and how it could integrate and how it could help people raise more money because blah, 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 blah. And I followed only about 30% of it because I don't use Twitch, but I was just sitting back thinking, man, like that should be fueled and supported. This kid's got an idea. You know, he's he's connecting complex topics at 11. He's figuring how they work with one another. So it was, it was interesting. Um, I'm going to pivot, pivot alert uh, here. Let's keep talking about AI, okay? Let's talk about AI. So um, it's getting a, little, getting a little crazy out there. I was trying to, before this episode, I was trying to figure out how many AI tools exist now. Um, in full, uh, in full uh, disclosure, I'm actually working on an AI tool right now. Can't talk about it. It's pretty freaking cool, though. Um, and and I, I, it could just be a nothing burger. I mean, it could literally... If all I do is use it for myself and my team, I'd be happy. And if it ends up going to marketing and helping people, that'd be great. But having said that, it's like everyone is working on something AI right now. I was trying to figure out how many AI tools exist. And all I could get to was it's definitely over 100. Um, there's so many out there that we don't even know about. And so that brings up the conversation is, is the word artificial intelligence being artificially used. You know, as marketers, we have a way to ruin everything. This is why we don't get nice things. This is why we, this is why we don't get to keep nice things. Um, 
so it was interesting on Friday, I think it was Friday or Thursday, the FTC released a warning, a very poetic warning. I don't know if any of you got a chance to read it. It was, it was an interesting piece of writing to come out of a federal government. Um, but nonetheless, made a good point. And it basically said, be careful what you claim and be careful what you call artificial intelligence because we can look under the hood and see if it really is and be careful of your claims that it can replace humans and this and that. And I just found it interesting that it's, uh, I don't know. What are your guys, what do you think about this? I'll start with you, Ken. Do you think we're getting, do you think we're getting a little, little out of control with this AI thing or what are you, what are you thinking right now? So just, just to, to set the stage, I might be the adversarial one in the group. I have never used any AI tool. I won't. I I have two businesses that I'm running at the same time. Alicia, get him. That are literally. Don't are literally, worry. Don't worry. Oh, <laughs> I will. I have, Monica, I I have will. two two businesses oh, that I'm running geez. at the same time that are that are producing almost a million dollars a month in revenue. We're building resorts across Canada within ten years. We'll have a company that's worth a billion dollars, and we're not using AI, and we don't really want to get distracted playing around with it. The other thing I was thinking about is when, I, when I've come up through this whole digital marketing world over the last 17 years, from when I started with Russell to today, I think the development of the skills around copywriting and understanding how to build headlines and these types of things really create the master in digital marketing. And essentially, the, the buzz now is that AI can do all of that. Well, are you really impairing your own ability to think and learn if you get into that channel? So I don't really know. Um, I, I can see where a lot of people are excited about it. I can see where people are using it to write books and do all kinds of fancy things. And I, the other part of this is, is it really artificial intelligence or is it learned intelligence? If you're putting all the data in and it has to collect and learn the data first before it can spit out an answer, that's not artificial intelligence. That's just database management. That, that is exactly what my techie friend said. I have a very, 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 very technical friend. He works on super, super high security crap. I don't know what he does. Um, all I know is that I had his phone number once. I had his work number once, and that meant I had to be in the security database. So I asked him to take me out. Um, <laughs> but um, he, he has a whole shit fit about it. He's like 90% of what people are calling artificial intelligence isn't AI um, because it's exactly what you just said. It's aggressive advanced database management because it's fed information. It's pulling from fed information. Um, it's when it starts to use that data to create its own. Now, I will tell you the tool that we're working on. So what we're doing is we're feeding the engine with a lot of information, a lot of data. So we're feeding it with stuff and we're, we're reading it for it. And what it's doing, we're actually watching it do this, is it's watching our trends. And it's starting to create and it'll actually output something. And then it asks us, hey, what do you think about this? And then we hit yay, nay. And it's just learning and so there's, so I asked the programmer, I was like, so is this artificial intelligence? And he gave me a really long answer to which I was like, I think he just said yes. But, you know, um, now, especially to be respectful to the FTC's warning, um, you know, I was like, we're going to take this code and we're going to actually take it to a private uh, company and get it authorized as this is artificial intelligence. Otherwise, I don't want to call it that. Um, so, Alicia, you're obviously, I, I introduced you as a queen of AI. You blew everyone's minds away recently at our board of experts mastermind. You are using AI a lot. Instead of getting into all of it, here, here's, I'm going to ask you a very simple question so we don't get all into it. First of all, do you think marketers are abusing it right now? Kind of a short yes or no type of answer. They will always try their best to abuse it. Yes. Okay. 
All right. So then the next so question. <laughs> so politically correct. She basically, guys, she basically said yes. Okay. That's what she said. So all y'all, she called you marketers out and she said, you guys are all suck and you're ruining nice things for us. I'll translate. I'm Alicia translator. Okay. She's too sweet. She's too nice. Um, of all the things, Alicia, you're using AI in many ways. I know this just because I personally know you. You're using it to do this, 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 this. One, just one. Give me the one that you're, one purpose of it that you are most excited about. Writing of everything. what? Writing specifically for you, writing books, writing blog posts, writing content, right? Like what kind of content? Uh, sure. So in my agency, let's say the social media content for all the clients, what used to take us three days to produce now takes under an hour to produce wow. 30 days worth oh. of content for a client can be done now in an hour. So social media posts, basically. Okay. So I have a question for you. So, um, I'm, I'm like super into Twitter lately. Um, you know, I'm kind of, I, by the way, anyone who gets into Twitter, like we are, a, we immediately are like just a better than everybody else. It's, I feel like I'm getting, I'm like, I'm getting some of that rub on me lately where I'm like, you know, I'll tell someone I'm like, I, I need to tweet now. You need to stop talking. Like you're here in my way of like my intellectual hour. Um, by, by the way, I'm tweeting. Alex, that guy that when he quit smoking, he, the next day he was telling everybody, you got to quit smoking. No, hey, Ken, Ken, Ken. How do you know someone's a vegan? They tell you they're a vegan. They tell you they're a vegan. Exactly. So how do you know someone tweets? They tell you they're on Twitter. Um, but what's the funniest thing about me tweeting is, hey, nobody paying attention. I got 13,000 followers. I get like one like. So I'm sitting there like an old man yelling, <laughs> yelling on my lawn and nobody gives a crap what I'm talking about. It's kind of fun. Having said that, um, obviously over time it'll pick up. I got like three people now that are like really paying attention to me and liking my stuff, so I really appreciate them. Um, but can I, can I just, can I just use ChatGPT or whatever AI you recommend to just like write a bunch of tweets for me, um, and then like log them into the system and then just forget about it? But like what I'm noticing is the tweets I'm doing that are about copywriting, email marketing stuff, they're getting a lot more response than like my random rants about life. So. So that's a per like that's one purpose you're saying you're very excited about ChatGPT could do that. Of for course. Me. And as you know, ChatGPT knows who you are. So ChatGPT can write the tweets in your style and you know the way that you teach. It knows your style of teaching. We asked it, right? So of course it's easy for you to have ChatGPT write all your tweets for you. Okay. So um for everyone who's listening, Elisa's super hardcore into this. So Elisa, where can they go to follow some of your teachings and trainings on? Um, AI, because I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I know you've got some amazing stuff you shared with us at the Mastermind. Is there a particular place they can go? Yeah, we have a club. It's called AI Experts Club, just how it sounds. And that's where I'm teaching a lot of the AI stuff that I'm doing. Is that AIExpertsClub.com or is that a Facebook Yeah, dot com. Sorry. Yep, dot com. AIExpertsClub.com. All right, Deb, I know you're using AI as well. You're using it in a different way, maybe, or I don't know. What's got you excited about AI? I love it for the video production. And one of the things I have been talking about lately that everyone loves to hear is how all of the AI technology and everything with video production will literally put my video production out of business. So I started revealing some of these things to private coaching clients over the summer last year. And I, I basically went on a, a sprint of, you don't need me anymore. Let me just teach you how to use these tools, fire your video editor, file your video, uh, video production company, me, and then do it yourself because it is so much easier 
it's so much faster. It's so much better than human doing it and back and forth. So for instance, spark camera app, that's one of the things that I got everyone excited about last year. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is revolutionary. And from a video production standpoint, if you used to use Final Cut Pro or you do now, man, you go to a Spark camera app, it saves easily 10 hours, an entire day of just- Give me an example. Give me an example of something, the Smart Camera app, is that what you call it? Smart? Spark, Uh, yeah, Spark Camera app. Okay, give me one example of something it does that's mind blowing to you. So, well, for me, the, the mind blowing of the, the time saving is Final Cut Pro. Anytime I wanted a video done, especially now with short form video, social video with all the takes. Well, in order to do a billion takes, you'd have to film it on your camera and then send it to your video editor. They wind up messing up like, why did you put it in this order? Spark camera apps. It's kind of like Snapchat where you touch it and you start recording. So it keeps all of the data in one file versus hundreds or dozens of files. So the organization of the data and then editing it, it's literally just, you take your finger and go, I want to cut this as opposed to all the things you did in Final Cut Pro. And then transitions, adding music, voiceover. It's one of those things that for a time-serving, uh, time-saving perspective has absolutely re- revolutionized the digital uh, industry for video oh. production. And that's been around for a while. So this is what's interesting about AI and all of the technologies that's out. Like, so TubeBuddy, we were using TubeBuddy years ago, and that's AI technology to get keywords and SEO research for your YouTube video. You can literally find out the titles to use to find out what video to upload that's going to go viral based on what's gone viral in the past. Thumbnails, wow. same thing. So, so AI technology has been around for quite a while. It's just certain people have been oh. using it, right? Sean Voster's been using it for years with Jasper. It was Jarvis mm-hmm. before. So right now, this is where what you said before, as far as marketers ruin everything and how, why we can't have nice things. So it's the same thing with Twitter. When Twitter first came out, and this was the first book written on it, and Robert Scoble was the guy I follow, by the way, follow him on uh, Twitter, Anik. He'll be your best friend as well. He, he's what you call noisy. But when Twitter first came out what, back in 2006, it was awesome. Just like how Clubhouse, when it first came out, it was awesome because it was all the people in tech having conversations. I didn't even imagine all of the things that would be horrible for social media and Twitter. I didn't even imagine until now with mm-hmm. all this information and all the things that are used, the bullying, right? But because it was just like a thousand of us geeking out from Silicon Valley to New York all about tech. So it's the same thing with technology and AI. We've all been using it. And now all of a sudden markers have heard about it and there will be abuse. So yes, you can have your, have AI write your tweets for you. Absolutely do that, right? Your blog posts. But what's happening also now is people are going in and creating their bots to communicate and send messages to people. And I think that's where people will get AI fatigue. They'll be like, oh, I'm talking to your bot. I thought I was talking to Onik, or I thought I was talking to, you know, Ken or, or Alicia, right? So I think that's where as business owners, we need to be careful and make sure. So when, uh, when Alicia presented to board of experts and she was like, this is my AI ex- uh, assistant, she called it the AI assistant. So where Mm. people are trying to deceive, that's where I think the trouble will come in and then marketers will ruin everything. Like they ruin Twitter, like they ruin Clubhouse and like they'll ruin AI. Well, look at what's happening on our very own board of experts mastermind calls. I'm I'm, I'm dying laughing because we actually have to evict. Like people are not, some people won't show up and they send their AI in and it's gonna sit there and record and take notes and take pictures. I'm like, I'm not here to talk to a bunch of robots. Get the hell out of here. So so, uh, so Olga would sit there five minutes in and we compare. If you are there, you can bring your AI note taker with you. 
your assistant. But if you are not physically present, then you cannot send these apps in, so we kick them out. Um, it's, it's a little yeah. irritating. Good job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, um, sure. Yes. Um, all right. So AI is interesting. One question, self-serving. Um, Deb mentioned something. Alicia, you, you mentioned something. Alicia mentioned social media. She's excited. Deb mentioned you said this thing where you're like, hey, we could take things that are already popular and have proof of being popular. Um, Alicia, how do I write tweets that already have a topic or have a natural inclination of being popular? Because all my, all my tweeting over the last week or so, it's definitely very clear. Some will go out and get a reach of 12, 1300 while others get 200. So I'm like, there's a huge difference between the topic. Is there a way to say like, hey, I only want you to write about stuff that's already proven to work. Is that a combo of multiple tools or can just one tool do that for me? Yeah, ChatGPT can still do it for you, but you have to add a Chrome extension on that brings ChatGPT up to be able to search what's trending now and what people are talking about now. So it's a web extension called WebChatGPT. So it's WebChatGPT extension. As of this recording, they're on version 2.05 now, but it helps to search the web for the um, the current, you know, what's being talked about currently. So if you're just using the uh, version without the the part that you know helps ChatGPT to bring in the current news and the what's going on currently, then you know you're not going to be on Twitter pulling in that current information. So I like to do that a lot. And of course, on Twitter, you can find the trending topic. So for our clients, we'll go and look at what the trending topics are on Twitter and then add to those conversations and get ChatGPT to write some great commentary to what's going on wow. um, awesome. in those trending topics. So you can do that as well. Cool. All right. Uh, pivot alert. Pivot alert. Um, Ken, you said something, you breeze pie. I like how you slipped it in there. You know, it's a little credibility builder. It's like, I got, I got multiple businesses doing a million dollars a month. Um, so I'm not messing around with this stupid AI crap. So let's talk about that million dollars a month. I want to pivot into talking about your favorite funnels. So Alicia, Deb, I'm going to come to you next, but, um, Ken, I've watched you kind of, I think just, we only met each other, what, four or five months ago, maybe not even that long. And in that time I've seen you grow and scale. Um, I mean, I've seen you launch now an actual spa company and now apparently you're going to launch food courts. Um, I'm kind of excited to see you do that. Um, What's your favorite funnel right now? What's Is there a particular funnel that's leading to all this insane growth? Well, it's interesting. It's not the most complicated funnel, I'll tell you that. So if we look back at the evolution of our real estate development company, I started buying cottages with all the money that I was making in my digital marketing agency. You know, cottages are the Canadian term for, what do you guys call them in the States? Cabin. On the Cabins, yeah. yeah. And I used, to, I, I bought them for years, renovated them, put them on Airbnb and uh, rented them. And then there became so much competition that I started running Facebook ads to my rentals and blew it up. You know, I've got seven cottages that are rented at 100% capacity at an average of about $7,000 a week. And wow. from there, I couldn't find cottages fast enough. And so I started buying old cottage resorts, renovating them, putting spas into them. And now we have this business that's building. Now we're building um, resorts that the average budget for renovations is $50 million. And so that necessitates raising more money. I went to Grant, you know, Grant, I 
had a chance to talk to him two or three years ago. He was speaking at an event. We had a private conversation. I said, if you lost everything and you had to start again, what would, what would be the one thing that you would, you know, focus on? What would be your main tool? And he says, reinvesting money. And he explained to me that what he does in his company, which I think is freaking brilliant, is when he's raising money for a project, he'll raise the money. He'll only buy projects that he can double the value. So he'll raise the money from investor, double the value, refinance the property, give the investors back their money, but let them keep the stock. The purpose of doing that is so they love you so much, they'll put the money back into project after project after project. Mm-hmm. So we're we're doing that to build these resorts across Canada. I built the craziest, most simple, compliant funnel for fundraising that I've ever, it's the best funnel I've ever built. It's it's really simple. It's a Facebook ad that goes into an opt-in form on the second page. They watch a video where I explain the whole investment opportunity in the resort. Then they have to go into a jot form survey where they have to answer all the questions in the survey. Then they get to book an appointment to meet me on Zoom. But because I put them through this as an investor and and it's compliant doing this, put them through these six different steps in a funnel, if they go to the end of those six steps and book an appointment with me, they come to the call, I get literally funds from 90% of the people who jump onto Zoom with me. I have a 95% show up rate for these calls. And we've had our our attorneys in Canada who cover all of our fundraising and all of the stuff we do in the market review it, they're completely compliant funnels. So it allows me to raise all the money we raise for our resorts inside of a funnel. So very simple funnel, ad, VSL, uh, a big quiz slash like lead qualifying survey, get on the phone, give them an offer, let them send you money. What's the minimum you require for someone to give to you? They have to they have they have to be willing to put a hundred thousand dollars into the project, and they have to be an accredited investor, which basically means somebody that has a million dollars in assets or makes at least a quarter of a million dollars a year. What are you doing on your targeting to be able to get that quality of person to come in? Is it something specific on the targeting? I disqualify them in the funnel, so okay. I I target people who are already interested in. I target with like just very general interest real estate investing. Okay. If they're interested in that. And then in the funnel, I tell them in the video in the VSL that you can't invest money unless you're an accredited investor. And then in the in the QA in the survey, they have to tell they have to tell me that they're accredited investors and it literally eliminates everybody. Okay. Awesome. Um, Deb, favorite funnel right now. Uh, I would say giving a free book away. So it's a book that they're getting. It's ebook, it's free, no free plus shipping or whatever. They get it delivered and it's delivering a masterclass instead of a webinar. It's one of the things we talked about at Expert Summit. And because I don't think any one of us would want to go to a webinar, but we'll go to a masterclass. Like I will go to Alicia's masterclass on AI all day. So mm-hmm. having a masterclass and then on that uh, on that class, giving away a free book instead of just selling a course. So I know you're, you've been talking about low ticket. This is the zero ticket but it's attached to the affiliate that's doing the masterclass to their list. And when we did this, we had 85% of the people that were on the masterclass enroll. And I feel like the 15% who didn't already left, or it was an AI assistant. So we we didn't get a hundred percent of the people, right? Because why are you here learning about monetizing reels if you don't want the book about monetizing? So do you, you physically ship it to them? You physically ship it? No, it's virtual. Yep. So they just get an ebook, uh, download PDF. Got it. 
And then how do you monetize? Where's the monetization coming? So then it's keeping them on the email list, which by the way, um, to be bring up a controversial topic, uh, for 10 years, I got high ticket clients, private clients, all without email, no ads, no email, everything was social. So that's a, another interesting thing that wow. now I'm going to start sending emails. So this is a new for me. I have literally no email in 10 years and no ads in 10 years. But um, this- particular funnel will be an email to follow up with them to then introduce them and invite them to the course. Yeah. What were you about Got to it. ask me something? No, I was going to say interesting point to that. I saw a Facebook post. Gosh, I don't, I can't, I can't remember it exactly. So don't quote me on this, but it was Stefan Georgie and it was recent. It was like last couple of days. And he posted a really interesting stat. He says, I haven't checked my email analytics in a long time, but I went in there and found something shocking average number of days that someone was on his email list before they bought. Now I'm imagining this is his like high, high, high ticket. Cause he has a, I know he has like a mastermind program. I would imagine it has to be that 260 days, 260 days. I was like, Whoa. And, and to me that meant that really resonated because of board of experts, right? Like we have, our expert summits and we, we obviously offer board of experts there. And as, as great as the offer is, I mean, there's still a large chunk of people that choose not to do it. And in my mind, sometimes I'm like, really? Like, why would you not join this? Like, I, I don't understand like the logic here. Um, but having been through the kind of seeing his stat, I was like, you know what? I just gotta, I just gotta let them keep seeing us. Um, and at some point it's gonna, they're gonna come in. That's to your point. You're like, Hey, I, do a webinar. So you don't sell anything on the webinar. You do an entire training webinar and say, the end takeaway is a digital download book I'm going to send to you. Thank you very much. I do both. So on some of okay. them and some of them are lead in. So one, I do no selling whatsoever. I just give, 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 and literally teach them and reveal stuff. That's going to put me out of business. They love that. Um, and then the other one, it's like a second follow-up. Then I, um, teach, but then sell the course, but still also give the free book. It's like, Hey, you came, your time is valuable. Even if you don't get the course and we work together, here's a free book. So that way, at least you could get started. And I want to encourage you on it, the, the board of experts and, and what you're talking about. We've had people that would join or hire me for high ticket, right? High ticket consulting, 10,000 a month, right? Two to three years, they were on, I would say my list. I don't have a list. It was wow. all social media. So they were seeing me on social, seeing me on social, seeing my live, seeing the TV shows. And then all of a sudden, two to three years later, like I need to hire you sometimes four to five years. So if you're in business for the long term, don't, don't get so hung up on what didn't happen right now. Sometimes it's just the trust factor. And by the way, I think that's why, and the argument for social media where some people are like, oh, it takes so much time. I'm like, but does it? Like these conversations that you have in meetings and in-person events, that takes time too. To me, that's all social media, but the mere exposure effect, are you familiar with the mere exposure effect? There's a study that was done. No. I'll, I'll give a brief, okay, brief uh, overview of it. It's a study that was in college and they, um, they evaluated trust and attractiveness of people who showed up. Some would show up um, some of the time, another one that showed up all of the time measured in more attractive. And these were all generally the same level of attractiveness uh, in people, but the highest level of people that they trusted and they liked, and they thought was attractive were the people who engaged with them as in they talked and had conversations. So that mere exposure effect, showing up in class, showing up on social day after day, after day, doing your TV show, the YouTube show, your podcast over and over. If you are in your business for the long term, believe me, it will pay off. And just mere exposure effect on it, them seeing you, they're joining board of experts because they keep seeing you everywhere. Think about it. I didn't get an email. I haven't been an email subscriber of yours in forever. 
right? I signed up not because you've been emailing me, right? No. At all. I've only well, seen you on social. Well, look at Ken. Ken. Ken's an exact example. I think, Ken, you had multiple people tell you about Board of Experts and Ken just messaged me and said, but what the hell is this and how do I get in? Yeah. I think that's the biggest appeal. It's this secret society that's like, what is this? I don't see this anywhere online. It's invitation only to go to Expert Summit and people want to go. It's that velvet rope. They want to go to and be invited in something that they that isn't being really sold. It's So I've been asked so many times to build, you know, like, hey, do you have a website? I'm like, no. And when I say that, I'm like, it feels kind of bad to say that. And I told the team recently, I was like, let's build a website. And then I'm like, all of a sudden I'm like, we'll build a website. It's literally just going to be like a logo and just some ominous like thing to like try to get a hold of us. I, I don't know. I kind of felt like that would be fun. Plus the lazy part of me was like, that's super easy to build and I don't have to do anything. Um, Alicia, favorite funnel. Some other invention. <laughs> yes. Alicia. Yes. Sweet. I have it on record. There is a woman in the world that thinks I'm funny. I'm in. All right, Alicia. Yeah. Favorite funnel is actually a funnel that Learn built for us. Yay. So let me tell you guys why this is the best funnel to absolutely have. So the funnel that Learn set up was that you got a free book when you get on a webinar. So if you want this free book, and it was all about the free book. So free book, it has all the stuff in it. Get this free book. So when you get to the landing page to get the free book, you sign up for it. And then it lets you know that free book, you'll get it on the webinar. So then during the webinar, you get the free book at the end, but you forget all about the free book because you've been uh, you have the offer in front of you and then you go sign up for the offer. Now, what I love that Learn did that I had not seen before is that Learn had just one price to sign up for the offer. So it was like $3.97 to sign up. So people are like, cool, I can do $3.97. And it let them also know that there would be two additional payments. But right now, all you have to worry about is the $3.97. So people signed up for the $3.97. And then on the next page, it's like, if you want a discount and don't want to pay the monthly payments, then you can just pay the remainder at this discount. It's like $200 off. And boom, people, to my surprise, <laughs> to my pleasant surprise, were were buying, they were buying that. They were taking that upsell and saying, yes, I like a discount too. So I'm going to save $200 and pay the remainder. So now they're paid in full. So they made that small investment, the first yes. Now they're paid in full. And then they have the opportunity now, the next part of the funnel is to sign up for a appointment with a coach. And then they're invited to be in this higher level um, mastermind. So that funnel was just brilliant. So it's a really a uh, classic webinar funnel. Obviously, we had our we had our own take on it, um, yeah. but a, a webinar funnel. So that's your favorite. All right, um, we'll go through the the next couple parts rather quickly because I don't want to skip either one of them. But um, and I really do want to ask you guys this. And uh, for me, um, my favorite funnel right now, uh, we're changing things up a lot. So it's it's we're we're doing things very differently and. Um, you know, I would, I would say it's not quite as much my favorite funnel. My biggest takeaway or my biggest like aha that I'm having right lately is just how easy and simple Facebook ads can be. I would say that about Google ads too, but I can't because I don't know what the hell Google just did to their platform by removing keyword targeting and all. Y'all are freaking insane. And I'm really wor like worked up about it, pissed off. I don't want to learn. Like Basically now Google's getting towards a point where they're like, Trust us, bro. And I'm like, ah, like you can target like these massive segments, right? 
So at Facebook, what they did is they want the same thing. They, they want the same trust me, brah type of thing, but they're like doing it slower, right? So they're like removing a little bit. Every, so they're like kind of training us and I appreciate that. Um, so I want to target more reviews. I need to find a Deb and a Ken and an Alicia. And you, you guys like, there's no like target keyword to get you. Like there's, there just isn't, right? So here I am, I'm like, man, I want to do this. Like I want to build really to this market. So my audiences on Facebook that perform the best are 65 million people in the United States. The United States has a population of 300 million. So I'm targeting basically 25% of the population. I guarantee 25% of the population is not credible enough. But I just, the ad, like my ad literally starts with, do you sell courses, coaching or consulting and do at least a half a million dollars a year or more? Keep listening. And what I have found is of course we're getting a lot of leads that are, that don't, but um, immediately I found that Facebook read that, understood that and modified. And, and by the way, new ad account, no trained up pixel, boom. They were hitting up the right people from the get-go. And I just found that fascinating. Um, I actually found it so fascinating they keep hitting about 100,000 people. I'm actually trying to face, push Facebook to go out of that 100,000 and it won't. So even though my audience is 65 million, they figured out like this is, and now what's happening is my pixel's getting trained. So by the time another month or two, it's gonna have so many fires. I'm just gonna say no targeting. Uh, well, US, you know, I'll do US only because this is me promoting a physical event. And so we're, you know, we target US. I, I targeted Canada, it's just, I. I got to work on my Canadian swag, man. I just wasn't, just wasn't, I was not resonating with the Canadians at all. So um, we'll have to figure that one out. But um, so it's, <laughs> that A, yeah. I, I, or, or I was joking with it. I was like, I was like, next time I do an ad for Canada, I'm going to hold maple syrup in one hand and a Canadian bacon in another hand and see if I can get their attention. Um, so, so I guess mine wasn't really a funnel, but it was like um, these expert summit events, you know, were filling the room with like amazing people. And I'm going outside of our traditional like circle and I'm like really excited about this next group coming to Expert Summit 3 because it's just, I mean, it's, it's people that are doing it. They're doing big things, but they're not in our circles. And I found them from ads and it wasn't that difficult. So that's my favorite quote unquote funnel. Let's add straight to this long page to book them to an event. But of course, talk next month, my favorite funnel will change. Um, favorite or biggest win for 2023 that you think people are sleeping on? Alicia, we'll start with you. Oh gosh, you already know AI. They're okay. sleeping on it. Wake up, people. Ken. Ken, 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 at our event, we had Steven Summers there um, at the last mastermind and he was just like, he got up, he stood up and he was like, yeah, I don't know about this whole AI thing. And whatever it creates is like basic and it's kind of general and like, I'm not really using it. And it was so funny because Alicia just went and you could see the lasers just go like, and she just, the rest of the event, she was like, I'm not letting you go until, and then I remember at the end of the event, he was like, I convert, I convert, oh my God. So that's why when you said I don't use AI, I was like, uh-oh, Alicia's the wrong person to have in the room. All right, so so AI for Alicia. Uh, Ken, what, do you, what is a big win for 2023 you think people are sitting on? I need to, uh, I'll let coach Deb go first. All right. Okay. And, and this will, this. well, this is good, Ken, because this will be something that you might be able to do and, and relate to. And then all of a sudden, again, it's in that AI world or metaverse world. It's the metaverse it, it, clients. My oh. prediction is more people that have retail shops will make more money with less effort 
having a product on the metaverse. For instance, Trinidad Three is a gene company. He's a designer gene company. A lot of athletes, celebrities wear his stuff. It's very expensive. The jeans, right? They're not, it's not cheap. It's like the, the um, Balenciaga type of gene, right? You go there, you spend $600, $1,000 on a gene. However, he's setting up in the metaverse and you spend maybe $2. And Anik, if you have like nephews and cousins and whatnot that are gamers, ask them about this, ask them what they'll pay for skins. It's called skins. Like you buy a different skin. So you up level back in Xbox days, we would, um, I, I love the Godfather game where you would go in and you would go to all these different shops and you have to influence in order to get money from them and whatnot, you know, for protection. And one of the things that you got, as you got the next level, you got skins, costumes, outfits, so the mob boss had a much better outfit. So it's the same thing in the metaverse in, in the gaming world, but also just metaverse in general, there will be more people that will pay $2, $5 for a skin for your gene. And you'll have more advertising for your physical store. But I believe my prediction is more, more sales will go in the metaverse than on Rodeo drive. And for you can, if you've got spas that are physical, you have a physical spa or sorry, a, a spa in the metaverse that promotes your physical spa. It drives them over there. So they get to go in, they get to check out this relaxing, maybe waterfall and relaxing music, whatever it is that you bring them in on an emotional level, they get to experience it. And they're literally paying for things or you're just paying for ads in the metaverse and um, real estate. So I believe our real estate that we own in the metaverse will become more relevant and more important than the real estate and our homes that we actually have. So Onik, for example, I remember you saying something like, if you ever see my house and you talked about the toilets, these $30,000 that you spent on toilets that you got famous for on TikTok. How many people have seen those toilets in the real world, IRL versus in the metaverse, in the yeah. virtual world on TikTok? And then again, if you had a little home or real estate on the metaverse, they can come and visit your toilets and see how cool they are. <laughs> That's, yeah. Well, well, listen, I'm already spending a fortune on these skins that you're talking about because my nephews. So here's how it works. It's, it's it was fascinating because um, my nephew started asking me for this years ago for whenever it's a birthday present or Christmas present. They want these. I forgot what they're called. It starts with an A. They want these little figurines. Okay, it's these stupid little figurines that are like 30, 20, 40, 50 bucks per. And that's all that's on their list. And they get really excited. Both of them will get really excited when they get them. The younger one caught on eventually. And like, they'll pull them out of the box and it doesn't do anything. I'm like, what is this? It's a collectible. Okay, fine. And it's for, it's, I, can, I can tell from the figurine shape that it has something to do with the video game that he really likes playing. And um, you know what it is, is you turn it around and there's like a code or whatever. And then you go to the video game and you can unlock that whatever. And so that's the real gift. Doesn't give a crap about the physical thing wanted it in the game and wanted that power or that whatever in the yeah. game. And um, this, this, this has been going on for years. This is not new. The metaverse in their perspective has existed. I'll tell you what, um, back when I was in high school, all right, so we're talking, this is pre-2001, everybody. All right, we're talking a long time ago. World of Warcraft was a big thing at that time. I had a buddy of mine that would play nonstop, and I found out that you could sell on eBay, certain weapons and things that you would create. So I was actually the barter. I would, he would play all the time and earn all these points and all this crap. And I would list it on eBay for him and then set up a, set up a, a meet time for 
those two players to meet in the metaverse, the World of Warcraft world, and they would exchange that. He'd give that thing to them, and they'd pay them. We're talking, we had transacted thousands of dollars worth of uh, worth of sales. This is this is twenty plus years ago. So uh, awesome. I feel like it's like that's where it started, and it's all of a sudden really being realized. And if you yeah. give them status and power, like what you just described of what they got, status and power, and if you give that to them in the metaverse, then they feel better in the real world. And if you think about it, right? If we go into times of recession right now, they won't be able to buy these $1,000 jeans, handbags, whatever, $30,000 Hermes bags, but they will be able to have the status and power as though they're this famous celebrity because they'll have the skins and the outfits and whatever else they have and unlock that power in the metaverse. So think about the emotions that you deliver for your clients online, and that will help them build. First of all, it'll help you build your community and that will help them be so addicted to you and your services. Still gives me the heebie-jeebies a little bit, to be honest with you. Uh, it's a little, a little bit weird, a little avatarish for me. But um, hey, it's what's happening. Ken, what do you got? What's your biggest win? I'm, I'm gonna go like really, really old and new. You know, there's so many people that I've taken on as mentors over the year, and one of my favorite people to listen to, and I still listen to this guy's videos, even though he's not even with us anymore. His name is Jim Rohn. Jim Rohn, one of the biggest piece of advice that he ever gave me was that every year we should do two things. We should learn a new language and learn a new skill. And I think there's so many entrepreneurs out in the world today that have the entrepreneurial genes in them, but they just can't get out of their own way. They just can't learn those new skills. And I think, you know, I'm going to go old school and say Facebook advertising is back. You know what I'm seeing right now and how easily our ads are getting approved and how quickly they're getting approved and the opt-in rates and the prices, the CPCs that we're paying now, I haven't seen these since 2015. And I think that Facebook is literally in a situation where they need money. And I think that they're tightening the reins. And if any entrepreneur is not using Facebook ads right now, they're losing uh, yeah. You can't scale without ads. That's all there's to it. But listen, I need to pivot on you right now. And and Alicia's oh. going to freaking love this yes. oh, because I do have a chat GPT. <laughs> he's, hi- he's hijacking the p- episode. I do oh, have yeah. a chat GPT hey, account. And while you guys were talking about 10 minutes ago, I went opened up chat GPT and I here's what I asked her to do or him to do. I said, can you write me 30 Twitter tweets that are leadership based and are using the current SVB issues? Mm. And some of the tweets are freaking insane and they're like a All very right. underhanded shooting at people and everything like here's one of them in times of crisis true leaders step up and take charge let's see who's willing to do that at svb a leader's strength lies in their ability to adapt and respond to changing circumstances does svb have any leaders I mean, it's oh, amazing. Oh, oh, oh. The mm. That's edgy. Mm. Like I'm giving that. you a round of applause for that. Good wow. job. Good job. Alicia, 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 I think just your your presence alone just converts people. It's just like you show up and people are like, I will use AI. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. I yeah, I I, I got to. I don't know. So, Alicia, is it possible to build a layer? Can I ask one of my developers to like build a layer above ChatGPT so that, or is it just me copy pasting the same command? Because, like, I've used it a few times for social media posts, and I'm like, eh. 
you know, and I, and I just feel like the prompting isn't, is incorrect. Um, but I'm, I'm almost seeing like, is there a tool where all that's already done for me? And I just go type in topic tweet and it just knows like, Oh, let me search the best blah, 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 and it outputs something where I'm like, wow. Cause you know, chat GPT is like a blank canvas and you got to like pick the right colors, the palettes, you gotta, like, you gotta think through those, those paints. And I'm like, I'm super lazy to do all that. So <laughs> there is a tool that I love. It's called, it's another Google Chrome extension. It's called AIPRM. So AIPRM for chat GPT. And it's where other people have created really great prompts and they let you use this. So I've gone in there and used some really great prompts, for example, for creating SEO optimized blog posts. And there's some really great ones in there for social media as well. But you can also get somebody to create a prompt that you put in there that's for your own private use, but you know that you're going to get the same output every time and you don't have to go and continuously write it. You're just like, I want my social media prompt and it's stored right here in this Google Chrome extension. And so you could use it um, over and over again for your social media post. Wow. Cool. All right, I got to go look into this stuff more. Um, man, it's been an absolute... Yeah. Anik, by the way, one of the things too, I think just to, as a call out for Jasper, I know we've been talking about ChatGPT, which there's a yeah. free version or a pro version, which is 20, but Jasper has all of these types of prompts, the AIDA prompt, log mm -hmm. prompt. So I think for the people, what as you call the lazy people or <laughs> the everyday person that doesn't think like a marketer, so I have my assistants using Jasper that I pay for versus ChatGPT. That's something that I'll go in and I'll act like a marketer and act like this and, you know, talk in the style of, so that might be something as an alternative to people to grab yeah. Jasper that does a lot of these prompts and will help you along the way. And by the way, this whole world of search, I think that's another prediction that we're going to see search dramatically change, especially with chat GPT four coming out and Microsoft releasing Bing or not releasing Bing, but reviving Bing with chat GPT four already in it using the edge browser search will dramatically change. So if you're doing ads there, that's just something to think about as a foresight. And what I would recommend is blog as much as possible, feed the search engine because Microsoft Bing, right? The edge browser will give you the results like chat GPT does but it will give you reference points of where it's pulling it. So that's where the whole fact checking, then you can do your fact checking. So don't you want to be the person that has all this content that's feeding the, the new search engine, which is ChatGPT or Bing or whatever else that you use. So that's my recommendation of something to do is blog, blog, blog as much as possible. Yeah. Love that. All right. It's been an absolutely fascinating episode, everyone. Thank you so much for joining Alicia. Thank you so much for joining last second there. Um, Ken, thank you for joining right after having landed from Iceland and coach Deb, of course, thank you for having, you know, been super excited about this episode you and I've been talking back and forth for a while. Um, Alicia, if people want to follow you where, or just learn more from you can quickly, let's throw out some URLs, social media accounts, whatever. On social media, it's Alicia Little, A-L-I-C-I-A Little, L-Y-T-T-L-E. I'm very easy to find. And my website is aliciaLittle.com. I've got a contact me form. So you can always send me a message and I'll answer any questions you have as well. That's awesome. Ken? Ken Dunn. There's only one of me. Just look me <laughs> up. I'm out there. K-E-N-D-U-N-N, -N, everybody. All right. Um, and uh, Deb? I'm Coach Deb everywhere, but if they want a free book on reels, getting videos done faster, easier, cheaper, and then not having to hire me, go to monetizereels.com and they'll get the free book that we were talking about earlier. 
Oh, I love that. MonetizeReels.com, everybody. All right. It's been a fascinating episode. Thank you very much, everyone, for chiming in. And uh, to the rest of you, this was pilot episode number two. So what do you think? Leave us a comment. You know, Tell us some, something in the, uh, in the comment section below because we're still kind of seeing if this is going to become a thing or not. With that said, this is Onyx signing off and reminding you when life pushes you, stand straight, smile, push it the heck back. See you later, experts. Bye.